When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. 55 KTSA. And here is Jack Riccardi. Jack? Well, you said 94 degrees, huh? Yeah, it's a bit of a cool down. Yeah, pull my Snuggie around me here to start <laughs> well, the show. Let's we've, not go too far. We've got, a, we've got a new problem today. I just found this out. Um, according to an article in Social Psychology Quarterly, I borrowed your copy. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, academics uh, now say that dog names are racist. Ah, dog names are racist. They they uh, studied dog adoptions uh, at you know animal shelters and rescue groups, and quote unquote white names resulted in shorter adoption times compared to quote unquote black names. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that. I, I'm afraid to ask. What, what, what is a white name for a dog? I, you know, Chad. I mean, I I don't I don't know. Well, Jack, I've got a black and white Shih Tzu. Its name is Cookie. Where does it fit? Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't know how. Who who'd want to say? Who'd want to put a? Who'd want to put a racial classification on Cookie? Don't know. Yeah, I don't want to go near it. <laughs> no. Um. I, here's the thing. I don't think these people have ever adopted a dog, because let me just tell you something, and you know this. I mean, when you go to a place and you are looking for your next four-legged friend and you if you connect if you bond that dog could be named adolf hitler that's right it would not matter it could be saddam hussein mm-hmm. it would not matter and and you're going to change the name or your kids are going to change the name anyway or you so. just love the dog and the name doesn't matter right or the name that's right you just <laughs> you just call adolf hitler in from the backyard when it's <laughs> right. for dinner there you go all right <laughs> 409 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Welcome to Friday, TGIF, where the G means God, That uh, just so you know. Um, yeah, according to uh, this essay, uh, dogs that have um, names that are racialized have a longer adoption span, and so there are racial implications to the names of the dogs. I have to tell you, if they're studying this, if academics are studying this, we must have solved every other problem there is. We need a term. Somebody needs to come up with a term or a word or a phrase for the kind of thing where wokeism goes too far and everybody's annoyed by it. You know, that moment when it's just gone so far that there isn't any, there's nobody hearing this right now. You know, stroking their chin, going, oh, yes, I could see where that might be the, you know, we need a term for that. So the big story today, the president um, went to Saudi Arabia, and he fist bumped with uh, MBS. And <laughs> they're, an anal- they're analyzing the hell out of this fist bump. Is it better than a handshake? Is it, what does it mean? But I'm looking at the big picture of this whole trip. You know, if you look at the whole Middle East trip the president's made, 
This is like a different Joe Biden than the one who ran for president. You know, it, the, the Joe Biden that ran for president, and as we talked about yesterday, we don't even know if that's him. We just think that might be the people that are pulling the strings. The Joe Biden that ran for president, or we'll call him campaign Biden, had a lot of anti-Israeli voices in his party, all the BDS people, and he was like, we're going to have a Palestinian consulate in East Jerusalem, we're going to go back into the Iran nuclear deal. He ignored the Abraham Accords like they had never happened. He even said in Israel, uh, my predecessor walked away from the Middle East. Now no talk of a Palestinian consulate. Um, a declaration in Israel to stop Iran from requiring a nuclear weapon. He told a television station in Israel that the United States would use force against Iran. And he goes from Tel Aviv to Saudi Arabia, a country that he described as a pariah regime in 2020. And the announcement today, which was expected, is that he and the prince got along so well that Saudi Arabia is going to increase oil production. Now, isn't this a big setback for the Democratic Party? I mean, if oil, if oil prices come down and gas prices come down, that's devastating. You had the American people right where you wanted them. You were pricing them out of their cars. That's what you've always wanted. Fossil fuels are over. I will end them. He looked a little girl in the eye and said, look at my eyes. I will end fossil fuels. Now he's over in Saudi Arabia pumping more of it out. They were winning. The Democratic vision was coming true. We weren't going to be able to gas up our cars. We weren't going to be able to drive internal combustion cars or maybe even have private cars because a lot of people aren't going to be able to get into electric cars for a long time to come, if ever. And that means mass transit. That means social engineering. That means the government can make you live where they want you to live and make you work where they want you to work, and you can only go where they want you to go. And, I mean, that's, that's all in keeping with what they want. Why would you go to Saudi Arabia and, and trumpet the fact that there was going to be more oil? That's like saying there's going to be more poison or more racism or more violence. Fossil fuels are over. That's what they told us. How are they getting away with this? How, how, how are people's heads not spinning? Right? They're promising more of something they had just previously promised to end. So this was kind of funny today. To me, maybe not to you. We'll find out. There was a story the other day about how Starbucks is closing a number of its stores in big cities because there's so much drug dealing and homeless people living in the bathrooms. And let me go back a little further. A couple of years ago, they made this big showy announcement about how uh, everybody was welcome and they were never going to question anybody in a Starbucks for why they were there. And if you were loitering and didn't drink anything, that was cool. Because remember, they got in trouble for questioning a couple of African-American men in a, in a Philadelphia-area Starbucks because they hadn't ordered a drink yet, and the guy said, hey, you're hassling us. We're just waiting for our friend, and then we were going to order drinks, and it became a lawsuit. And 
So that's the history of this. We want to be your second place, said Starbucks. We're your home away from home. Use the Stay in the bathroom as long as you want. Now they're closing locations because it's, it's become a disaster. Their own employees are forcing them to shut some of these stores, saying we will not work here, we don't feel safe here. It's okay. So I'm setting up where we're going with it now. Today, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, who, remember, was running for president as a Democrat a couple of years ago. He, 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 was gonna, he had done such a great job with Starbucks, he was going to run the country. Now he comes out and says, you know why we have to close these stores, don't you? Because America has become unsafe. And he attacked politicians in cities like Los Angeles, Washington, Philadelphia, Portland. These cities are unsafe because of rising crime. Quote, this is Schultz, It shocked me that one of the primary concerns of our retail partners, they call their employees partners, is that their own personal safety. He was shocked by that, apparently. How the little people live, Howard. And then we heard stories that go along with it about what happens in our bathrooms, the issue of of homelessness and the issue of crime. So here again are the Democrats basically trumpeting, posting their own losses. This is your doing. These cities are governed by your party and by your principles. Your naivete, your wokeism, is exactly what you're complaining about now. Why do you think these cities are unsafe? Why do you think people don't want to work in a Starbucks or close up at night or be there? Unbelievable, the lack of of self-awareness. So, welcome to the real world. And then we have the story. I heard uh, Christian talk about this. And we're going to ask you about it on the JR poll today, powered by Stevens Roofing at uh, 210-599-5555. In Bernie, the school district says our goal is to have a school resource officer on every campus, at least one on every campus by the time the new school year starts, which is just a few weeks away. They have 12 campuses in the district. They want at least one or more police officers on every campus. And my question to you is, is that a good first step, not just for Bernie, but is that should that be like a basic? I mean, should a school building, elementary, middle school, high school, whatever, at the minimum, always have a police officer on site? And I, my experience is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, some schools have this and some don't. And in some cases, they share one. And in some cases, there's one nearby, but not right there. But do you think there should always be at least one? 210-599-5555. So that's our poll question. Plus, all of this we're going to talk about. And we've got the dish coming up to kick off the weekend after 6. Phone lines are open. Let's get at it on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. The Jack Riccardi Show. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 422, 550, 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show, Friday. So we got a lot we're uh, 
mulling over here. Can't understand this president. He he had us on the ropes. He had us over a barrel, $5 a gallon gasoline. Now he goes over to Saudi Arabia like he's J.R. Ewing. Here comes more oil. I'm bringing back more. I'm going to fill up Air Force One like it's a tanker. What are you doing? You're supposed to end fossil fuel. Don't you remember? You were doing it. I hate it, but you were doing it. You were giving the greenies what they wanted. They were so happy. They were delirious. Now they feel like it's Dobbs all over again. There's people on TikTok today sobbing that Biden went to Saudi Arabia. They're not Israel lovers. They're green energy people. How could he do it? They don't care about that Khashoggi guy. They don't want more oil. It's bizarre, right? I mean, this is my theory. It's This is not really Joe Biden. This is not the guy we heard on the campaign trail. In fact, this Joe Biden making nice with Israel, fist bumping with MBS, this is probably more the real Joe Biden than the campaign Joe Biden. All right, and then we've got the Bernie school district saying we're going to do a police officer on every campus. 210-599-5555. It's our Stevens Roofing JR poll, and we're going to talk about that too. And we're going to start with Mike on 550 and 1071 KTSA. TGIF, happy Friday, Mike. Hey, happy Friday to you, Jack. This is CPS Mike here, and unfortunately I have to agree with the Bernie school district just the way things are going right now, they weren't like when we were kids. We didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff going on. But, yeah, I've been more increasingly worried about my grandkids going back to school, especially after that mm-hmm. Uvalde thing. So, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, I see it happening. I, I find it amazing that we don't already do this. I, You know, you have a building full of children. We describe children as the thing we value the most. Um, and yet we more carefully guard car dealerships and shopping malls than we do schools. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it's, it should be, well, in my opinion, some of the smaller schools, okay, maybe one police officer there, some of the bigger like high schools, maybe a couple of them, you know, one inside the building and one outside patrolling type of thing, but it's just the way things are now that it's going to have to be that way. I agree. I agree. Thank you, Mike. Good to hear from you. Um, So I was reading another essay today. I mean, we've heard this before. gentleman was making a case, a history professor. He wrote a very interesting piece for the Washington Times about arming teachers, training teachers and arming teachers. And and he was making the argument that when you uh, have armed teachers, it's an unknown because an assailant wouldn't know which ones were armed or where they were. You couldn't go into a school with impunity. You don't know that the, maybe the first person you encounter is the person that would take you out. And I had an epiphany when I was reading this. He didn't say this, but I, I, I had an epiphany. Because whenever we talk about arming teachers, we get a mixed reaction. There are people who love it and people who hate it. And there are teachers who love it and teachers who hate it. And I realized that this is sort of like changing horses in the middle of the stream. People who are in teaching today maybe the worst people we could propose this to because they got into teaching with an expectation that didn't include this. So maybe if we want to train and arm teachers, it should be starting with 
the training of teachers, like with new teachers. So we're gonna, we're not going to worry about the ones that are already in the profession. This isn't what you signed up for. You're, you, it scares you or it repels you. But maybe we say, all right, well, from now on, one of the core responsibilities of public school teachers is being part of the defense of the school. So one of the things we're going to we're going to require of you is that you can contribute to that that you can protect your students. We're not going to we're not going to spring that on you 10 or 20 years into your career and it's not doesn't feel right. We're we're letting you know when you get into the profession you have to be able to do this. You know, this is this is this is a part of the of the I guess you'd say the job description. Cuz it really has to be. It has to be. I know these incidents are exceedingly rare. And I know that the odds are you would go through your entire career just as most kids will go through their entire schooling. It'll never happen. But um, we prepare for a lot of things in life that we never have to do. There's a lot of spare tires that have never come out of the trunk. And this should be part of the preparation. And that would that would solve the problem of well I I can't do this or I I never expected or this isn't why I became a teacher you hear that a lot okay well fine but from now on this is part of what we want what do you think about that two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five and Robert is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA the Jack Riccardi show Robert good afternoon welcome to our show wait a minute here there's Robert no. I, I truly believe that we need to have police officers in the uh, schools. Um, I'm former military, and I, I won't go into detail, but we never had enough forces to protect the bases. So we always uh, uh, secure the base based on priority, priority from the highest priority to the lowest. So we place the, the law enforcement in the highest priority. So in this case, to me, our schools, they are our future. So we should protect them, should be the highest priority and then uh, secure them out. So instead of having 100 police officers downtown trying to protect the tourists, we should be protecting our schools. I am a grandfather, and I'm willing to pay more taxes to have police officers at the schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that we, we always say about our children how much we value them and treasure them, and they're the future, but the the... The way we protect schools doesn't really align with that. Uh, Tim is on KTSA. Tim, good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Uh, been a teacher for 20 years. Uh, don't want to do it anymore. First of all, yes, uh, we need security in the schools. But we have to realize something. There is a process of working as a police officer. The top ones go to the best jobs, and the bottom ones go to security. They can't get a job anyplace else. That's where they apply and they're hired. You can hire I'm having a little trouble. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm, I'm Tim, I'm having a little trouble hearing you, so I, I might not have heard it all. You said the best ones go to the top jobs and then I lost you. What did you say? The worst ones do what? And the ones that can't get a job anyplace, they go to the school security. Good example is this gentleman in uh the four-star general that was a hard uh, a head of security, four-star general. The guy barely made it for security, and look at the job he did there in Uvalde. 
four stars. Come on, give me a break. That's what you pin on your your. So you're uniform. saying the people that are on school police forces are not the best no. and brightest? No, yeah. no they aren't. Well, no, not, I didn't say brightest. I said I don't think they're the best. I think they're the, the best, best okay. go to, you know, FBI, Bear County, City of San Antonio, mm-hmm. and then it trickles down and trickles down. And any idiot can uh, declare themselves a general in charge of, of I know people that know him. And he was very, very arrogant. And it'll it'll all come out. It'll all come out. Okay. Why couldn't he be a captain in charge of school security? Why does okay. he have to be a general? So then the answer would not be a police officer on the campus because that police officer wouldn't be effective, you're saying? If they were trained right, yes. Yeah. They, they'd, they'd have to be not. of a higher caliber than what you yes. think we have right yes. now. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right, I hear you. I hear you, and I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the call. We're going to get to more of these coming up. You can vote in the JR poll right now by calling in 210-599-5555. It's also available to you at KTSA.com. The Bernie ISD is uh, saying their goal is to have at least one officer on every campus when the school year begins next month. Should that be a, a bare minimum for all public schools? What do you think about that? We'll talk about it. We'll update KTSA Time Saver Traffic here next. This is Nora O'Donnell from CBS News. Congratulations to KTSA on 100 years of service to my hometown of San Antonio and South Texas. All right, we're going to talk restaurants after 6 on The Dish. You can praise or zing where you had lunch today or come back from dinner or recently, new place, new to you, old favorite. 210-599-5555. So... Dog names can be racist. We found that out. And if a dog has a racist name, a racial name, the adoption process will take longer. People won't adopt. They want they want white named dogs. This is what the this is what it said. I don't know what that means. Call me up and tell me what the what your dog's name is and we'll figure out what what race that is. We'll we'll work it out. 210 599-5555. Should every school, public school, have one or more police officers stationed on campus? There all the time. J.R. poll question. And then uh, you've, you've been hearing about this abortion case out of Ohio. The president invoked it when he was, uh, you know, reacting in horror to the Dobbs decision. It was the story of a 10-year-old rape victim who traveled from Ohio to Indiana to get an abortion. And at first, no one could find the the facts that would suggest this had even happened. Was it an urban myth? Was Was it presented to the president without corroboration? The attorney general of Ohio said, we don't even have a case like this that fits this description. And then it turns out there is a case. But then that case got very shady. So the girl was 10. The rapist, who's an illegal immigrant, is 27. And so the the facts came out. Now today the Indianapolis Star is reporting the abortion doctor um, who performed the abortion in Indianapolis... Uh, did it 
and filed the paperwork, but listed the rapist as a minor. It's a 27-year-old male. Meanwhile, in other interviews, the mother of this little girl has defended the man and said he's being misrepresented. People are lying about this. He didn't do anything wrong. What the hell is happening in that house? What the hell is happening around that girl? And the initial suspicion about this story was that it came so soon after the Dobbs decision, it seemed a little too pat and, and useful to one side. But I'm willing to stipulate that it happened. It's a terrible thing. Um, and I hope that every adult who's involved or complicit in it faces charges. But rather than use it as a slam dunk against the Dobbs decision, we'll see, this is why we need abortion in America because of this 10-year-old girl, I guess the question I'm left with, and I ask this in, in good faith, if you feel like you can answer it. When did we go from arguing that we should make or keep abortion legal to promoting abortion? When did we get to the point where um, the, the, the other side from pro-life isn't simply pro-choice, but pro-abortion? Elizabeth Warren wants federal legislation to shut down all of the crisis pregnancy centers. These are centers that exist so that if a, a young girl, a young woman, somebody who's uh, maybe uh, pregnant and doesn't have support or means can get diapers and formula and care and help keeping her baby or, or starting an adoption. These crisis pregnancy centers are like they're like soup kitchens. I mean, they have storage rooms full of supplies. They have people uh, who have volunteered their time to help and counsel and, and do things like, uh, you know, teach basic skills. If, if you're going to keep that baby but you weren't expecting to be pregnant, well, okay, get some things you have to learn. They do really good work. I know this firsthand from having worked with some of them and supported them and had them on the air in the past. Why would you want to shut them down except that they're competitors to abortion clinics? I mean, what what would be the... If you're just interested in abortion being out there, being available, what are you worried about with crisis pregnancy centers? I mean, besides the fact that there's no legal authority for Elizabeth Warren to do this. I mean, she can't make everything that she wills into a federal law. She thinks she can. But when have you ever heard of a United States senator wanting to shut down charitable organizations? And why would you? And it's a little bit like what happened with the great society welfare programs of the 60s and 70s. They came out of the federal government and they went into communities and they competed with and ultimately, in many cases, displaced churches and private groups and nonprofits that knew their communities and knew who really needed the help and who was just a grifter or a fake. 
the federal government came in with all this money and no awareness of the neighborhood or the local culture. And, of course, the result was massive fraud and waste. It's been a disaster. But there were already institutions, some of them decades or centuries old, that were doing this work in these neighborhoods. And they were all swept away by politicians who were sure they knew better. But even that wasn't as direct as this is. Elizabeth Warren is saying the quiet part out loud. She has a problem with crisis pregnancy centers, and they need to go away. They need to be shuttered. She dislikes the cause they're promoting, which means that she's also promoting a cause. Abortion isn't just an option. It's a cause. She's not saying, I think if you want one, you should be able to get one. She's saying, I think you should get one. Doesn't care about the clothing, the diapers, the formula, the counseling. Meaning she doesn't care about the women who benefit from these CPCs. And of course, she certainly doesn't care about the volunteers and the people that do this because they feel called to it. You know, I can remember when, if you said you were pro-life, pro-choicers would get in your face and go, well, that's fine for you to say, but where are you going to be when the baby is born? You only care about these babies in the womb. You you pro-lifers, you're weird. You only care about human life in the womb, but then when it's out in the world, you don't want to provide for it. It seems like the tables have turned, doesn't it? It seems like the pro-abortion people now don't care about mothers in need and babies in need. And crisis pregnancy centers aren't perfect and they don't do everything, but they're there to fill a gap and fill in where they can. And uh, besides the fact that the government just does not have the power to do this, I, I really have to question, when did this become the aim? And And it almost seems like government is getting into the abortion business. Not the Supreme Court, obviously, but the legislative and executive branches, right? Like, we're, we're not just interested in what the law says. We'll be the providers. Now, if you felt this strongly about, let's say, the Second Amendment, would you want the government to hand out guns? Or have tents in national parks that distributed guns or distributed guns to children you'd say no that's insane that's crazy why are you even bringing that up but that's the government getting into not just advocating for a right or a position or an access but actually getting into the business that's what they're doing now and it's weird celebrating 100 years of service 55 KTSA News Time 451. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show, 550 and 1071 KTSA. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday. It's a breezy, uh, crisp 94 degrees. Throw another log on the fire. Anyway, um, I don't know how you come to your 
thinking about this abortion issue, if you have a position on it, if it's something that you ever think about, I think most people, it's safe to say, have reached whatever position they have from something personal, maybe spiritual, and they don't really care what the the what's the majority opinion or what what's the popular opinion but it's funny the politicians in the media keep trying to find that sweet spot that that you know mean or median and i don't know where it is i don't know do most people think that abortion should be legal do most people think it should be legal up to a certain point do most people think it should be legal for exceptions do most people think it should be widely available i i don't i don't know and i don't i don't mean this to sound uh arrogant but i don't care because this is a right and wrong thing to me i'm not trying to find out where i should stand i already know where i stand but when you hear the political debate about it it seems increasingly like we're not arguing about the right thing to do but we're arguing about the government promoting and providing it and i wonder if that's a bridge too far for people like i wonder if there's a a a body of people who might think hey sometimes it's it's okay or sometimes it's a good alternative but they don't want this level of radicalism they don't want it to go to the level of what was the lady who said yesterday it's an act of self-love or the lady who said i've i've just become an abortion doctor and i'm glowing with pride or Listen to this exchange on the House Judiciary Committee this week between Congresswoman Karen Bass and Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. Now, Gates is kind of a wingnut sometimes, uh, but um, he, he gets into it over the language being used by another member who's referring to things like women's reproductive freedom uh, and so forth. So listen to this exchange and see where you are on this. Ms. Bass, you didn't use the words that were confusing, so I'm not going to yield to you. It is I'm my not, bill. But you didn't use the words in description of it. And guess why? It was Ms. Ross who used those words. Well, and if I want to ask questions to Ms. Ross, she could choose whether or not to yield to give the answers. But you covering but for you're her, not really interested she doesn't know in the, the words she uses and cannot in the, in the Judiciary Committee sit and answer the questions you on something as important as life or death is when I control the time is outrageous. Are you done? Uh, I'm done when my time's done. Mr. Gates you, can time. Those, you can yield for those questions, but but it's crazy that in this committee, when I'm trying to get honest answers to questions about the effect of the bill, whether or not it paves the way to abortions, that you all want to sit up there and squawk at me rather than allow me to ask questions. When you have the time, you can control the time. How about that? But these are fair questions. She used the phrase unborn child. This is I would theater. like to know what that means to her, because what it means to her us on a break. is that... It is a life. But you know what? I want the answer on the record, Miss Bass. I want the answer for the American people. Because to all of us, my party that was impugned, we actually think that unborn life is a child and that there is a liberty interest there that is worthy of our defense and our protection and the values that undergird the American Constitution. I don't think that's too unreasonable. And by the way, if you use a phrase in this committee, you shouldn't have to have a senior member answer the questions for you. You should be able to answer those questions yourself. And if not, I think it speaks to the credibility of the debate that is offered. So I'll yield, I'll yield Ms. Bass. I got, I got 50 seconds. Thank you. I would like for us to vote on the amendment. I think the bill is clear. 
the rest of this discussion is theater. I would like to vote on the amendment. Hmm. Well, right. Can we so vote on the amendment, Mr. It's, Chair? It's theater. <laughs> it's just theater. Your objections are just theater. Um, but my favorite part of that whole thing is when he he's trying to get her to define a term she used, and Congresswoman Bass says, well, why don't you ask her on a break? You know, that's not how any of this works. The only thing that makes the record is the stuff that's said on the committee. He wants her to answer on the record. This is, I think, what what's panicking a lot of politicians. If this goes back to the states, which is what it looks like it's going to do, if every state legislature has to have this kind of debate or some kind of debate and, a, and an up-down vote on what the law in that state will be, people are going to be on the record. And then when they run for re-election or for other office, everyone will know how they voted on this issue. And up until now, a lot of politicians have skated on abortion. They get to say vague things about it because we had Roe v. Wade, and they could say they were against it or they wanted it overturned, but they didn't have to cast a vote on any kind of specific law or proposed law. Now they do. And you know politicians. They're not profiles in courage. 210-599-5555. Morgan is on KTSA. Morgan, good afternoon. Hey, yes. Um, I'm a first-time listener, and I was just calling to bring up a point. Um, you were talking about the crisis pregnancy centers and how some of what they do um, is very charitable and uh, worthy of our support. And I agree. I don't think that, you know, legislating that those away are negative. But what I would like to do is draw a comparison to the issues that people took with um, Planned Parenthood and recognizing that a lot of the services that they provided were also for women. Um, and you can separate abortion out from that if you looked at it closer. And so I would like to draw that comparison. And I support the crisis pregnancy centers, and I think they're a worthwhile organization. But I would like the theme recognition to be um, sent forth uh, for the Planned well, is anyone Has anyone proposed? Has anyone proposed a federal law that would close? Planned Parenthood clinics? People, I'm not aware of again that. Again and again. And, no, I mean, not specifically, but people again and again point to removal of federal funding from Planned Parenthood well, and particularly well, that's a different, looking at... Well, that's a different thing. Hold, hold on, Morgan. Hold on. That's right? a different... That's Your comparison doesn't really hold up because crisis pregnancy centers aren't federally funded. So if you want to say they're the same or they're similar, a big difference would be the federal funding that goes to Planned Parenthood whereas crisis pregnancy centers have to go out with the tin cup and beg for money. If they were both on the same footing, I would see your comparison, but I don't think they are. I guess what I, am, what I, would, I would point to is that if you're going to say, like, organizations like crisis pregnancy center only provide good benefits, there are reasons that the crisis pregnancy centers cause problems, for instance, ineffective counseling or unregulated counseling of, of women when they are early in their pregnancy. So that's an issue. But I agree. I think they're very worthwhile things. But I think that what people do is tend to throw Planned Parenthood out and keep crisis pregnancy centers in. I actually never mentioned Planned Parenthood in this whole thing. You're, you're the one that brought it up. But again, your comparison doesn't really... I'm sorry, your comparison doesn't really work because Planned Parenthood benefits tremendously from federal tax dollars, which are taken from people that don't believe in its mission, whereas if you opposed crisis pregnancy centers, you are never required by politicians to support them. I think that's a huge difference. 
I recognize that, but I think the issue I have is rec- trying to say that one organization does everything with a good intention and one gets to be blamed for every bad thing. So because yeah. abortion... That's kind of your thing, Morgan. I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say okay. any of that. Well, that's my opinion. I think but it's I, I appreciate, I I appreciate. I appreciate your call, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to defend... Oh, she hung up. Okay. I'm not going to defend a position I didn't take. And you're setting up a straw man argument. So you you set up a statement that I never made. In fact, I, I don't know the last time the words Planned Parenthood have come out of my mouth. It's Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. Here once again is Jack Riccardi. All right, Christian, thank you. Getting some uh, reports of people on the north side with some locally heavy downpours. They're fast-moving. They're short-lived. If you haven't seen them, you may see them again, especially uh, north of Loop 410. So um, is, is Trump running again? Is Trump going to run for president? He says he's made his decision, but he's not revealing it yet. Uh, I don't know anyone personally who does not think he is going to run. Everyone I know, including people that like him and don't like him and want to vote for him and would never vote for him, they all they all just presume he is running. Um, Politico.com had a story today that said the Democrats are hoping he jumps in sooner rather than later. It says, in part, campaigns and officials at major Democratic outfits are planning to capture the anticipated cash windfall that would come their way should Trump announce he's making another run at the White House. Candidates also are exploring ways to exploit Trump's premature entry to energize despondent Democratic voters and coalesce independents and suburb dwellers who've soured on the Democratic Party over stubbornly high inflation. So, in other words... Democrats are waiting for this with more anticipation than Republicans are. They're more amped up about it than Republicans are, says Politico. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, I see, the, I see the logic of that. They can't run on their quote-unquote achievements. They can't run on Team Biden. The thing that gets them excited and, more importantly, opens the cash spigots is Trump. Should he be aware of that? Is he aware of that? What do you think of that? He unites the Democrats. Right now the Democrats are divided, or they seem to be, right? I don't know. Maybe they aren't. They're definitely divided about Joe Biden. And I think they're divided about some other issues. I think they're divided about Build Back Better and stimulus and inflation. I'm not sure they're all actually all on the same page about abortion. When they start having to cast votes in the state legislatures, I think you're going to find there's, there are rifts in the Democratic Party in some states on abortion. I don't think they can do it. But this argument says Trump unites the Democrats. And, you know, I was noticing this week, do you see the pattern that's going on here? Biden says he's running. Trump looks like he's running. Hillary is dropping big hints that she's running. Bernie says he's open to running. At what point does the next generation uh, step up? How much longer are we going to have to run people in their 70s and 80s for president? All my life, presidents were, and presidential candidates, 
with the exception of Ronald Reagan, were people in their 50s and early 60s. And now we have this this cluster of, you know, or this backlog of people at the at the top level of both parties. I, I don't, I, I think it's time for younger people. I'm not saying this to be an ageist. I'm not attacking you if you're in that age group. You may feel like I am. I'm not. Um, but I, 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 I'm not relishing the prospect of presidents in their 70s and 80s. We've had enough of it. And as far as Trump running, um, the other thing I heard today, which I thought was weird, was uh, I think it was on Fox. People were saying, well, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, won't run. They said this like they knew it, and I don't know how they would know it. Governor DeSantis won't run for president if Trump runs. Whatever else happens, I want Ron DeSantis to run for president. Not just because I like what he's done in Florida, but because I think it's really important to get that out into the, into the, the, the debate. He is one of the very rare people that stood his ground during COVID. We just don't have very many of those. And the the data and everything we're seeing, we're seeing with children, we're seeing with the economy, clearly indicates that the quote-unquote science was wrong about COVID. The shutdown was wrong. The separation of people was wrong. Distance learning was wrong. And Trump is one of those that went along with the science. Trump had the opportunity to do what DeSantis did, and he didn't do it. So I want DeSantis to run. I, I'm fine with Trump running, but I want DeSantis to run. I think there should be an, a, a competitive field. Let people have a choice. I don't think they should all step out of the way or bow bow out if Trump runs. What do you think? 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, and don't, you know what? I hear a lot of people say, and I, to me it seems like kind of a cop-out answer. Well, why can't uh, Trump run with DeSantis as his running mate? That's not going to happen. That's why it can't happen, because it's not going to happen. Um, so people are going to have to choose if they both get in there. How would you like to see that play out? What do you think? 210 599-5555, an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic here next. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55, KTSA. 521-550-1071, KTSA, the dish coming up after 6. Talking about uh, whether or not Trump is going to run... And Politico says Democrats really hope he does and hope it's soon because that's how they're going to raise a lot more money. He unites them. He excites their voters. Their voters aren't excited by anything they're doing, but they think he, his name, his presence will be like uh, the magic word. 210-599-5555. I do do think there's a little bit of of a head fake here. Whether Trump actually runs or not whoever runs and whoever the republicans wind up getting behind will be the new trump will be worse than trump in fact they've already said that about DeSantis. oh he's worse than trump so it doesn't require trump to play the game that they're going to play it's just that with trump they already 
kind of know how to play it. You know, they, they've got they've got the they've got it down pat. But believe me, they're going to run this playbook, no matter who the other team on the field is. And whoever it is, will be the worst person ever, worse than Trump. And because uh, look, they they did this even before Trump. You know, the things they complained about with Trump. Well, when you had guys like John McCain and Mitt Romney, who whatever you think of their politics, were not evil or 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 vile people. You 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 saw what they did. They're going to run this game no matter who the Republicans put out there. Unless, I guess, it's Liz Cheney. And they probably would do it on her, too, actually. Mike is on the radio. Mike, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. I wanted to let you know that I agreed 100% with what you said about Ron DeSantis earlier. And that's why I hope he runs for president. I voted for Donald Trump, and I thought he was a great president. However... Donald Trump cannot keep his mouth shut, and he, his, his personality is going to be an irritant just like it was for four years with the Democrats. And they're going to – I don't think this country can stand another four years of the Democrats spilling hatred and vitriol all over our country again, which is what will happen if Donald Trump's reelected. I don't think Ron DeSantis is that type. He's 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 a gutsy guy. He's straightforward. I, I really like his values and morals, but he's not going to stir up the pot like Trump does. Trump, that's just Trump's nature. That's who he is, you know. And so, uh, I hope I hope DeSantis runs and Trump doesn't. Well, Mike, I, I like him too, but I I, I think that. They will be just as stirred up. I mean, they'll they'll say he's they're they're already saying it. He's worse. Uh, he he's Ron Death Santis. He's an authoritarian. Um, he's more dangerous than Trump because he's nimbler and younger and knows more about the mechanisms of government. I mean, they they've already started. You, you're not going to get a break from that with DeSantis. You're just going to get a guy who's, as you point out, isn't trying to fight the last war, which I think is is the biggest problem for Donald Trump is he just he he wants to fight the last election and and what's important is what happens in the next one well that's a good point I mean he 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 will want to do that which is to the detriment of the country but I think once if DeSantis runs and gets elected he's going to go in there he's going to get in office and he's going to want to turn our country back around the way it needs to go in the direction needs to go and he's not going to be all braggadocious about what he's done like Donald Trump has been. And, and you know, that's we need, we need somebody that's a little bit more humble in office. Right. And I think that DeSantis is that way. So, Mike, thank you, sir. You have a good weekend. Thanks for calling our show. Gary is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Gary. Uh, I think something that is really spooky is the height of a candidate. And if you go back in history and you look at who got elected and who loses, there's always that height factor. Uh-huh. And yeah. and I think that Trump, while he breaks dishes, he is the only one that is strong enough to fight these people and their lives. And I, I know Ron DeSantis is a great guy. But I go back to that hype factor, and you just go back in history and look at the guys that 
what how tall they were and whether uh-huh. one guy was taller than the other, and invariably the taller guy won. I don't even know. Is DeSantis short? Is that what you're saying? He's I, I have no idea. relatively short. Is he? He's okay. relatively short. Okay. Compared to some of the, especially if you look at Newsom and some of the people that they're mentioning, mm-hmm. even even uh, Joe Brandon, um, they're tall people. And mm-hmm. that has a, a definite historical impact if you look <laughs> at those people. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at how, how, how unbelievable that is. Because you're right, and yet, what does that say about us? Uh, I, I think it says that we're <laughs> manipulated. I, that has see. to be a thing that that's that's only been true since the television age, right? Like, it, it, that couldn't have been true like in the 19th century because they wouldn't have known how tall Rutherford Hayes was or something, right? Well, you go back to Lincoln. Lincoln was a pretty tall guy. And Well, yeah, uh, but I mean, I don't think most people ever saw their candidates. You didn't see them. Oh, you, you, no, you heard they, about they, them, they, but you didn't know just, what they looked like. They just like. got a, a picture of them, and, and, and yeah. there weren't very many people then. Yeah. Uh, not very many people even voted. But, right. All right, Gary uh, says height is, a, height is a concern with Ron DeSantis. Tell me what you think about that. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um, that, I mean, you know, there, there are weird things like that, that are features or fixtures of our, of our politics. Robert is on KTSA. Hi, Robert. Yes. Good afternoon, Jack. Uh, no, I just wanted to comment. I'm all for Trump. He's a businessman. He took on China. Nobody has taken on China, not the way he did. And he went head to head with them. We need somebody like that. He's a fighter. And we, uh, uh, we, the, he keeps everybody in check. And Robert, are you of the, the belief fight. that he is the only? Are you of the belief that he is the only one that would do these things? Yes. I'm, what does that say about never, us, though? If there's only one problem. man in a country of 330 million people, and he's 76, what does that say about us? We have no future. Well, no, we do have a future, but we've got to elect the right people. Look what happened with the. Uh, who we elected with the current administration. No, but what I'm saying is, are you telling me there's no one else after Trump who can only have at most four more years, there's no one else that can do these things? Doesn't that sound kind of like doom to you? No, I'm not trying to sound shallow. I'm just saying DeSantis, I don't know if he's a businessman. I don't know too much about him. I know about Trump, and I know what he did for the economy. He has a record. That's all I wanted to Uh say, but... Okay. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bully you, Robert. I'm just trying to understand when when I hear someone described as indispensable, which is sort of what you're saying. Um, my question is, well, what do we do after that person? That's that's my only point, and I, I don't happen to think that's true. I don't I don't think anyone is indispensable. I think Trump displayed some qualities that we have come to realize are important and that we have not seen. I don't think he's the only one that has them. Is my point, but okay. I hear I hear what you're saying. You would be you'd be most reassured if it was him again in 2024. Is he going to run? Do you think he is? Democrats, do you agree with Politico, which is Democrats want that? That's what they're hoping for. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We'll get your thoughts on that. Your votes in the JR poll, and um, science has spoken about sharks. We now know why 
you're afraid of sharks. Science. Wait to hear this. Coming up on 550 and 1071 KTSA. So when I was over at Franklin Park in Alamo Heights not too long ago, and talking to some of the people who live there, all very happy that they were there and really enjoying themselves there and pleased that they had made that decision. They only had one regret, and I heard it more than once. And I'm paraphrasing it because everybody put it a little bit differently, but their one regret about living at Franklin Park or moving to Franklin Park was that they wished they had done it sooner. They wished they hadn't waited. They were under the belief that staying in their house was a was a declaration of independence or a sign of their independence. They they thought that they had privacy if they stayed in their house, and they, they might not if they went to, to a senior living community. But, of course, you do because you have your own apartment with whatever size floor plan you would like. You have your own full kitchen. You're, everything you want when you are by yourself and for yourself, and then when you walk out the door... You are part of a community of people who are like you and like-minded and like the same things. So it is the best of both worlds, and people are enjoying life at Franklin Park. And you should take a tour and see what I'm talking about. They'll, they'll tell you the same thing when you walk around at 230 West Sunset Road off Broadway. That's Franklin Park, 210-829-5955, or go to franklinpark.org. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Five thirty-six, five fifty, and one zero seven one KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Politico.com says that Democrats are begging Trump to get in early because that's how they're going to fundraise and distract their own voters from their numerous failures and from Sleepy Joe. Uh, it goes on to say that Republicans would be stuck having to manage their ties and answer questions about Trump, the same way Democrats right now are having to answer questions about Biden. Uh, So Democrats would like the distraction of Trump, and Republicans would rather not have it. This is what Politico says. I'm just putting that out there. I'm asking you what you think he's going to do, what you think is going to happen. 210-599-5555. I do think he's going to run. And I don't see why, if he does, other people can't also run, and you just have a competition. You have a contested path to the nomination, which is a a better thing than if somebody gets in and everybody defers to him or her. Uh, That typically is not a good thing, not a path to victory. Don is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Don, good afternoon. I think Donald Trump Jr. is going to run. I think his father is going to back him, and I think that someone in the family with the Trumps are going to run as the vice president, and we're going to have a triple Trump. <laughs> Look at it that way. I mean, you've got the best of all three worlds. Wait a minute. We have to find out how tall is Donald Trump Jr. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, all right. Triple Trump, or Trumple, I guess that would be, says uh, Don. Ike is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hello, Ike. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm fine. So my thought on uh, on this is the guy that said DeSantis wasn't a businessman. He's running the state of Florida. I mean, of uh, Florida. <laughs> he needs to. Of uh, Florida. And uh, 
that's a business right there. So he's got business experience. <laughs> okay. All right. And DeSantis um, no. needs to run against you – no, know, I'm with you on almost everything you said. I'd, I'd like to see DeSantis and Trump run with a – and Trump make a deal. I'll run – I'll go for two years. You take over, then we'll have DeSantis for 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think those two can – I don't see a teaming up of those two in any way. I, I hear what you're saying, no, but no. that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, they're – their egos are way too big, you know. Yeah, I, I said that a long time ago, but I also said that a businessman could run this country better, and Trump proved that. Yeah. Yeah, Trump showed a number of things that Republican voters now realize they need to shop for in their future candidates. And and business background is one, and being standing your ground and not caring about what the New York Times or CNN says about you is another. Thank you, Ike. Um by the way, have just come out just a moment ago. They released the cause of death for Ivana Trump, and it turns out she fell down the stairs. That's what they say caused her death. So she was found at the bottom of some stairs, and they say she died from blunt force trauma to the head. So um, scientists are studying what makes people so scared of sharks. I thought we were scared of sharks because we should be. I didn't realize this was a mystery. I didn't know this was a, this was a topic of research. They're uh, they're worthy of being careful around. If there's a shark in the water when you're at the beach, you should get out of the water. I think. What do you think? Psychologist Gabriella Hancock and others at Cal State Long Beach say people are afraid of sharks, not innately. She said five-month babies are not afraid of sharks. It's a learned behavior. Well, actually, isn't almost everything we're afraid of a learned behavior? I mean, babies aren't afraid of hot stovetops either. You have to learn. Babies aren't afraid of rush hour traffic. You have to learn. What kind of a stupid thing is that to say? I mean, I, I only have a four-year degree. I'm a radio disc jockey. But these are people with PhDs. They sound like morons. We're studying why people are afraid of sharks. So listen to this. They've concluded that one of the main reasons people today are afraid of sharks is because of the movie Jaws. They call it the Jaws effect. And the Jaws effect is a belief that sharks intentionally attack humans. I'm sorry, doesn't that actually happen sometimes? What do you mean a belief? This isn't like the superstition of Friday the 13th or black cats. I'm pretty sure we're, we're wary of sharks for good reason. This is kind of like the latest in a long string of stories where scientists are not covering themselves with glory, you know? I mean, how many times do we hear in the last few years pleas for respect science, believe in science, you've got to respect the science, listen to the scientists, I'm going to be guided by science. And, and, and look, I, I admire science, I'm fascinated by science, but the biggest problem scientists have is themselves. The biggest thing running them down, the biggest thing lowering them in our estimation is scientists. You know, the other day, the American Medical Association 
took the position that birth certificates should not have a sex designation on them. That gender is not binary, said the AMA. And that gender identity is on a spectrum, said the American Medical Association. We need to recognize gender is a spectrum. Now, you can say that a hundred times, a million times. That's not science. That's advocacy. That's an opinion or an assertion, but it's not science. Scientists should be correcting people who say things that are not scientifically proven out. Instead, very often, they're the ones saying it. You know, take COVID, please. <laughs> I wish somebody would. But, you know, how many things did the science tell us we had to do with absolutely no qualification or hesitation that turned out to be medically unnecessary or even detrimental to people? I mean, it's too many to even list here. We've covered this before. And then in the midst of all the precautions and lockdowns and limitations we were living under, here comes BLM and Antifa, and science comes out and says, well, these protests are okay. Allow these. Allow these gatherings. Don't disperse these because these are medically necessary because of racism. That's not science. That's picking and choosing who can and cannot hang out together. Okay to do it, just don't call it science. Or the hostility to doctors experimenting with therapeutics and having good results in some cases. There wasn't, you know, science you would think would be curious and interested in the therapeutics question, rigorously examining and exploring it, but instead they belittled and mocked those that attempted or tried or suggested therapeutics. And then, of course, we had the Great Barrington Declaration. That was a group of scientists who signed a letter and respectfully questioned things like shutting down schools for almost two years. Instead of engagement or debate, the great Barrington signatories were ostracized and in some cases thrown out of their institutions. So if you want me to respect science, if you want me to listen to science, scientists need to stop coming out with things that are not science. There was a time when scientists were careful not to um, cross the streams with advocacy. They wouldn't even let you draw them into that. Because they knew that once they were seen as an advocate for something, they were less likely to be respected as an above-the-fray scientist. And whether you look at climate, COVID, gender, it's kind of hard to tell now. Where does the science end and the advocacy begin? Because there's clearly both going on, but they're trying to call all of it science. So... If there's a shark, get out of the water. <laughs> okay, please. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. An update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And we're going to uh, talk restaurants and the dish coming up after 6 here on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. There's uh, probably a better term for it than the one I use, but I, I call it bedside manner. Dr. Mark Havercorn at River City Oral Surgery just has a great way of explaining things, whether you're 
having a procedure or it's someone in your family getting wisdom teeth or dental implants, you have questions, you have concerns, maybe there's anxiety, maybe it was hard just to make the appointment, maybe you went in there hyperventilating, but he has a great way of answering questions and taking the time and you don't feel rushed. On the day of your procedure at River City Oral Surgery, you're not wondering who's going to do it or who, who, will, who will it be. It'll be him. You know, a lot of these big clinics, you don't even know who the surgeon is till the day of the procedure. But your surgeon is Dr. Mark Havercorn, board-certified medical doctor, dentist, oral surgeon, somebody that is broadly and widely trusted by people in his field, and someone you can trust. And when you go to RiverCityOMS.com, you learn more about all that, plus upfront pricing, pricing that's listed right on the website, direct patient care, free market medicine, RiverCityOMS.com. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station, News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. At 5.50 on KTSA, San Antonio's News Talk Station. The dish coming up after 6. Here's another name to throw in the mix. Uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is running ads in some of the early primary states with the slogan, Freedom Runs Free, So Saddle Up. These are not campaign ads she's running in her state. These are ads about her that she's running in some of the early states like Iowa and New Hampshire. They're pretty good. They're pretty slick. I saw them on, uh, I saw it on, uh, online and uh, she's also got a new book out. And, uh, I, I, I just, I would welcome younger people, new faces, governors, people from the business world, people from military backgrounds, um, I don't want us to have a. I, I don't want any rematches. I'm, I'm just enough. This is our country. It's not their country. Our our election should be about us, not about grievances that that are held at some high level. I, I I look. Don't get me wrong. There's a hell of a lot that was wrong with the 2020 election, and there are things we need to do about that. But you don't resolve that in a future election you resolve that in the states where the laws are being broken the rules are being stretched bent and broken to allow fraudulent voting that's that's where you have to fight that and if you if you're if you care about that that's got to be your focus you can't care about that and run for president you can say oh i'm doing both or it's a crusade no if you really want to attack the rot in our political system. And I think it's important to. I think it would be a very noble thing to do. That's got to be your whole focus, I think. If you're running for president, you're running for president. So this is kind of personal. I met a friend for lunch today. I thought it was just, we were just going to have lunch. He, he moved out of town. I don't see him very often. He was in town. He said, are you free for lunch? I went over and had lunch. And I got... I got beat up, but let me explain. I'm not complaining. I, I was, have you ever been confronted in a way that you needed to be? Sometimes they call that an intervention, but that seems a little too dramatic. This wasn't like, Jack, you're, an, you're addicted to drugs. 
wasn't wasn't that kind of dramatic. No, he he was telling me that I I wasn't a very good friend because I didn't stay in touch because I didn't call I didn't text and I don't he's right I'm not I didn't argue any of this I'm I'm bad about that I'm bad about keeping in contact I'm bad I I I love my friends but I'm just a very introverted private person and I get lost in my own world and I don't think hey let me sit down and call so and so or so anyway that was his message to me it was politely delivered but firmly delivered and then I read today um, this is new research I'm not sure it's gonna blow your mind but uh, from the University of Pittsburgh uh, people appreciate hearing from old friends more than you would think the study says we underestimate how much our friends appreciate hearing from us. People who call, text, or email just to say hello underrate or underestimate how much the other person is going to be excited about that and happy about that. So they, what they did is they asked people to do it and then to gauge or predict what it would mean to the other person. Then they went to the other person and they said, well, how did it feel to get Jack's call or Jack's email? And there was a huge difference between what you think you're doing for that person and what you actually are doing for that person. And I believe that. I mean, I'm terrible at it. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but you should not be like me. People do. I think now more than ever, I think people need it. I, I am amazed at how connected we are. You know, I'm going to be 57 this year. I've seen incredible change in the way we communicate. The technology is unbelievable. Who would have imagined something like text messages 30 years ago? And we're so interconnected. There's so many ways we can do it. But I think there's more, I, I think, I feel like there's more loneliness and isolation than there's ever been. So back when all we had was a phone call or a, a written letter, I think there was less loneliness and isolation than, than now when there's 25 ways you can connect. And I think people sit and they look at a screen and they see they have friends and they have likes and they have emojis and there's something that's still missing. There's an emptiness to it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not saying it very well, but do you get what I'm saying? I, we're, um, we're like, we're parched. And this friend of mine is a guy that is very social and active and busy and works a lot and is out and travels and he's not a he's not it's not like all, I'm all he has but he wanted me to know this is ridiculous I never hear from you I wonder how much of that there is that goes maybe goes unsaid right Don Morgan had a story on KTSA about a neighborhood on the northeast side that has a naked guy did you see this story there's a naked guy running around the neighborhood knocking on doors and jumping over fences. And, um, you know, my neighborhood doesn't have this. Does your neighborhood have a naked guy? We don't have a naked guy. I'm pretty sure we don't. What I really wish our neighborhood had was a pool, you know. I think that would be better than a naked guy. 
If you had to, if you had a choice, right? You'd, prefer, you'd probably prefer like I'd rather have a pool or a, a green belt or a naked guy. No, probably not a naked guy. So anyway, the the uh, the police are on the lookout for the naked guy. You would think with all the ring doorbells, something like this wouldn't go on very long. It seems like every third or fourth house has a ring doorbell. How much longer can this can this guy remain at large? If I if I'm allowed to use that term. I'm sorry that I did now. All right, we're going to talk restaurants on the dish. We're going to continue to take your votes in the JR poll, but you're going to be able to call in and praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. I hope you'll do it. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to find out about restaurants as well as sing the praises of a place you found or you like or warn us away from a place where you had a bad experience. The dish is coming up next. Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. All right, here we go with our uh, final hour of our final show of the week called The Dish. And this hour just requires me to briefly explain it. So if you're new to our show, you'll know what we're doing here. And if you already know, you can already start calling 210-599-5555. But this hour is about restaurants, your most recent experience in any kind of restaurant anywhere in or around San Antonio. So whether you dined in or got it to go or had it delivered or drove through or whatever it might be, it can be everything from fast food and chain restaurants to those white linen tablecloth special occasion places, you know, anything. Your experience, you can praise or zing by calling 210 599 5555. We're going to take those calls this hour along with any last minute votes in the poll question, get the results on the Stevens Roofing JR poll at the end of the hour. And um, and that's what we do. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. If you want to get your restaurant praise or zing in that way, 210 599 We start with our good friend Gennaro on the dish. Happy Friday, Gennaro. Hey, Jack. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Love the show, like always. Um, today, I went to a Mexican restaurant that I've been there before. Uh, it's called Taqueria Riarta at 3219 Blanco Road. And um, I just come from a doctor's appointment, and I was, like, really hungry. And I was with another person, and she's like, well, let's go there. And I said, well... I, I would like some seafood. Lo and behold, they have this dish called, uh, first of all, number 39, mojarra frita. Now, mojarra is a type of fish, uh, various species. I looked it up. Uh, and it's mostly tilapia, and it, they fry it in oil. And it's very okay. delicious and everything. The only thing is, when I saw it on the menu, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's you know, it's a decent little portion, and everything. No, Jack, when they brought me the plate, man, it made a thud when they laid it on the table, <laughs> and, and I looked at the waitress, and in Spanish, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? 
I'm like, no. As long I'm as like, it made a thud serious? on the table and not somewhere else, that's all I'm interested what? in. Well, Jack, but the, all right. thing is, the thing is, man, uh, yeah. the plate was almost bigger than the uh, – the fish was almost bigger than the plate. And wow. needless to say, yeah. uh, I, uh, I brought it home. I only yeah. ate a quarter of it. Uh, yeah. It measures 12 inches from nose to tail. And I believe it weighs about – I lost my uh, kitchen scale. It weighs about – half to one pound so i uh, i ate the salad i ate some of the fries i ate some of the rice but i still got three quarters of the fish in there wow um uh very good very Mm -hmm. very good um service was excellent and um i was really really hungry and and i saw that fish and i'm like oh lord so after i left the restaurant Ah, right. uh, you're not going to believe this. Forty-five minutes later, I was. Oh, hungry. with you, Gennaro, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> Whatever you're about to tell me, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> so uh, I'm throwing a praise uh, out to this this place. Great service, very clean, very right. friendly. So, well, that's awesome. Thirty-two nineteen yeah. Blanco Road, Taqueria Vallarta. And what was the name of the dish again? With the that you called it. What was it called on the menu? It, it was it was the number thirty-nine. It's oh, called mojarra frita. It means frita. pretty much like fried fish, but it's not breaded. Okay. It's just right. cooked in uh, in oil. Awesome. Now, Sounds good. Now there now there's a Honduran fish similar to this, but mm. they do it the same way. But they do it to where you can eat the whole fish. The tail, right, I've seen the head, that. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, well, yeah, you'll have to try that crazy. next time. <laughs> All right, Gennaro, you have a good weekend, sir. Thank you. Praise for Taqueria Vallarta, 3219 Blanco. Try the number 39, which which sounds amazing. Sounds like a lot of food. 210-599-5555. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. And Mike is on KTSA. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jack. How's it going, man? I I just wanted to talk to you real quick about uh chipotle restaurant i normally like them i don't agree with the politics as i'm sure many of your listeners don't uh however their food's usually pretty decent and this one is definitely going to be a zing uh it's 1604 and basically bandera um i went in there there was 17 people in line which this was a Sunday night, and I get it. They they get busy, but they had their, um, I don't know, their sea crew maybe yeah. uh, serving and stuff. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but I, I, I started fussing a little bit uh, politely, and mm-hmm. a gentleman in line was like, hey, man, these are just high school kids. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. And I was like, well, I mean – Maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe the expectations are set low. I don't know. But this particular location at 1604 in Bandera, which is right where I live, I live in Lotus, and it has just gone downhill. So I'd like to give it a zing. I love Chipotle. I'll eat at other other Chipotle restaurants, yeah. but this one yeah. I'm done. You know, um, it's it's weird that that would happen because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pretty much like an assembly line, right? I mean, they're, it, yes, they're just taking exactly. a bunch of stuff that's already been cooked and, and putting it together 
the way you yeah. want it, right? They, 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 they were talking about what they did that day, and I mean, yeah. I'm like, you have, you have 17 people in line here. Yeah, that should be easy. Want... Yeah, exactly. I agree. And I, I just, yeah. I got frustrated and left, and I won't ever go back, unfortunately, because it's like 10 minutes from my house. But I'll just, I'll, I'll go to the other ones, but not that one. All right, a zing for, thank you, Mike. You have a good weekend, and thank you for calling yep. us. Uh, a zing for Chipotle at uh, 11 Bandera Road, Bandera in 1604. Yeah. If you have a teenager, you're going to know a lot about Chipotle. They love it. Love it. 210-599-5555 on the dish, and Dean is on KTSA. Happy Friday, Dean. Happy Friday, Jack. I'm calling in about Six Clicks Cafe in Halotus. Uh, it's in the uh, Halotus Plaza Shopping Center at 12916 Bandera Road, right behind the uh, Dairy Queen. And I almost pulled in to eat at the Dairy Queen, just, you know, get the taco plate or something like that. And I saw this cafe, and it was empty, but the, it had an open sign that was on. So I thought, you yeah, know, I'll give that a shot. And I went in there, and I asked the lady, are you open? She said, oh, yeah, we're just between lunch and dinner. And I tend to eat a late lunch, so I understood that. And uh, I said, well, what do you got? Said, you know, mostly home food, burgers, and sandwiches, and pasta. So I got the uh, Cajun pasta, which had blackened chicken and then dewy and bell peppers and, you know, uh, like a sauce with uh, bow tie pasta. And it came with a side salad, and it was really, really good. And since they were slow, I was talking with the lady while I was kind of eating and waiting for my food and stuff. And then the cook came out after I was eating the pasta, and he said, do you mind if I sit down? I was like, no, no. <laughs> He's the owner. I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. Wow. And so then I ended up talking with him, and they had come up from, uh, I guess, down around Rockport, Port Aransas, or, or Aransas Pass area. And I guess the hurricane had kind of beat him up down there. And mm-hmm. so they opened this cafe uh, here in Halotus. And it's uh, six clicks. It's uh, military terminology. He's a veteran. And um, the lady that I was talking to was his mother-in-law. And they run this little cafe that's got really good food. I think I got out of there for around, I don't know, 20 bucks, something like that. You know, and any more $20 for lunch is a pretty good deal because you used to get a $5 lunch. Uh, a $5 yeah. <laughs> lunch anymore just ain't worth eating. Those days are... Those days are going. Um, how far up from 1604 would you say that is? Uh, um, I think Hausman Road is probably about halfway. So okay, it uh, before you you know before you get to Old Helotus, it's that shopping center that's kind of across from O'Connor High School. Okay, all right. And, and that place is really like right behind the Dairy Queen. Right behind the Dairy Queen. Good. It's good to know. Yeah, we had a call back in uh, March. Caller was saying that the ribeye was really good. I don't know. Maybe that's something to try the next time you go. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I told the guy, I said, I will be back. This is good food. Yeah. And, that uh, sounds really good. You know, I'm all about a good place to eat, and, you know, they, they got it going on. Um, I come from a military family, so, you know, can help these uh, yes. veterans. Uh, and especially they're out there, small businesses right now are taking a beating with this Bidenomic stuff that's going on. It's just, you know, like uh, restaurants are dropping left and right. Yeah, they uh, sure are. 
Purple Barlick is going out of business this month uh, over on Austin Highway. And it, it, it's a shame to watch this go down, and it, it appears orchestrated. So it's just like they're going to kill off all the small businesses so that we won't we'll have it. And we'll all, we'll all have to go to Chipotle in that, in that case, and we don't want that. All right. Hey, Dean, I'm glad you called right. about it, and this is the second call hey, we've had inside of a few months. Chipotle. So, hey, so it sounds Chipotle, good. What was that now? There's a better place. A side note about Chipotle, there's a better uh-huh. place called Bob's uh, Burritos out on 410 oh, between okay. uh, Broadway and Nacogdoches that is way better than Freebirds or Chipotle or any of those places. Is it called Cabo it's Bob's? Cabo Bob's, yep. Cabo Bob's. Yeah, we've had some calls on that on the dish. Yeah, people do like that. They like, the, they like the tacos and stuff. I got to hold you, right? Dean. Thank you, sir. Praise for Six Clicks Cafe. Twelve nine sixteen Bandera Road in Holotus. So we're we've got a we've got the Holotus thing going on tonight. But any restaurant anywhere on the dish, your calls two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five on KTSA. So right now, if you are uh, selling a car, you are sitting pretty. You can get a great price. There is a a a, a thirst for these vehicles. The people want them. They're hard to find. Um, I heard that that for a while rental car companies were even buying used cars, and that's that's never happened before. But anyway, uh, when you when you go to sell a car, though, you suddenly have to know a lot about it, answer questions about it, meet with people. If those are not appealing options to you, there's GiveMeTheVin.com. This is what I would do if I were you. GiveMeTheVin.com just asks for the VIN number and a few photos. You can do that, right? And then they buy the car. They're the buyer. And they will make you a good offer. And if you say yes to their offer, they'll bring you the check and take the vehicle. And you don't have to memorize cubic inches or what kind of, what kind of, uh, you know, what size the, the rims are or any of that stuff that you didn't really need to know when you were driving the car and you don't want to learn about now. GiveMeTheVin.com makes it easy, safe, convenient. You don't, you won't procrastinate. You won't have to talk to strangers or take calls or text messages you don't recognize. With GiveMeTheVin.com, they are the buyer and they want to buy. And it's a good time to be selling. So go to GiveMeTheVin.com. The Jack Riccardi Show, celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Keep my hands on myself. Six twenty-four, five fifty, and one hundred seven-one KTSA. I can never get enough of this song, Portugal the Man. I like this song. So I hope you have big plans for the weekend. I'll be calling friends guiltily um, later in the hour. The results on the JR poll, and um, right now we're talking restaurants on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Omar is on KTSA. Hey, Omar. How you doing, Jack? Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. This is a praise from afar because the wife brought it home from San Antonio. But Matinga's, I, I guess that's how you pronounce it, Pizzeria, uh, the 1604 O'Connor, I guess, location. But uh, with nothing, nothing crazy. She said it was a real, you know, kind of a small place. But mm-hmm. uh, the pizza and is is super. I got. Uh, Pepperoni, mushroom, onion, jalapeno, and artichoke, and it was it was pretty darn good. The Gabe got a calzone, ate the whole thing, but uh, she said as much, you know, just as good as the food was. Uh, the service was, you know, very, very mm-hmm. accommodating, very polite, 
and they have some ranch dressings there that are very good, uh, a regular ranch, a jalapeno ranch, and a basil ranch, and the basil one is, is super. Hmm. Um, yeah, that one that you're describing is on uh, O'Connor. It's right next to a shell station. It's it's really tucked away. You'd almost not even see it. Yeah, she said it's very, very small. You get yeah. just enough room to turn around in and walk back out, but it's a yep. it's more of a takeout place. It it really is. Yeah, seventeen two nineteen O'Connor Road, just inside sixteen oh four on the right as you come down O'Connor Matenga's Pizza. And what did you get? What were all the toppings you got again? Say them again. I I got uh, pepperoni, onion, jalapeno. Wow! And I forgot to say uh, both olives, black and yeah. green, and artichoke. Like, man, you're like a like a, like a condemned man's last meal. There, you got everything on there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm not I just. And <laughs> you had I to hold. Could, like, you had to hold your hand underneath that piece of pizza, right? That's like a two-hander yeah. when you got all that on there, right? Yeah. And if I could yeah. have, I'd have put capers on it. Well, hey, you know, we can't have everything, right? <laughs> but that's great. I'm glad you tried it. I'm glad. You, I'm glad it was good. I've seen it many times. I have not uh, not yet tried it. But praise for Matenga's Pizza. We get a lot of calls uh, on the dish about Matenga's different locations. There's one up on three double o nine and. Uh, a couple of other places as well. Uh, this one's on O'Connor, and uh, yeah, I'm looking back here, going back to 2015. A lot of a lot of calls about Matenga's Pizza. M A T T E N G A S Pizza. Alex is on the dish on 550 and 107.1 KTSa. Happy Friday, Alex. Hey, happy Friday, Jack. I think I'm going to have to try Matenga's because I like good pizza. Yes. And it's not very far from my house. So, so my praise is for uh, uh, Chicago Philly, which used to be Wise Guys right there at West Avenue and, and Nakoma. And oh, they changed their name? I didn't know that. Yeah, they changed the name. But I, I will tell you, they make one of the best Philly cheesesteaks I've ever had. And my dad owned a sandwich shop on the Riverwalk in, in 1972 that I worked in. So believe me, I know a good Philly cheesesteak when I have it. Mm-hmm. Sautéed mushrooms, bell peppers, the cheese. This It was piping hot the way it should be. The bread was toasted. It was delicious. I, I, I haven't had a Philly cheesesteak that good in 30 years. Wow. That is high praise. Yeah. It, so it was well worth the money. Is it a new like a new operation, or is it the same place with just a new name? Or were you able to tell? You know, I I couldn't tell because I I honestly had never gone to Wise Guys. They oh, okay. still have some of the Wise Guys signage on the outside of the building, mm-hmm. but it is it is a new name. So yeah. I, it, it may have been where the the previous owners sold to the. Some somebody that was working with them, but excellent, excellent food. Service was good. Place was clean. Um, felt very, very comfortable. Excellent. All right, four forty one West so, Nakoma, right at Nakoma and West Avenue, Chicago Philly Eats is what it says here. Chicago Philly Eats. Alex, thank you. Uh, praise for a perfect Philly cheesesteak sandwich. That sounds just about perfect for tonight, right? Rains move through, cool us down a little bit, you know, finally under 100 degrees, can eat hot food again, <laughs> wear pants again, you know, we're getting back to normal life. 